and uh, I know. my fingers are my fingers are just as fast because now we're actually recording. Okay, <laughs> See, okay, I'm, I'm, that- I'm messing up already. My bad. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you advice right now, which is you start recording right when you get on the call, and then you go, okay, you know, is it okay if I record this? And then you have someone, you know, say, yeah, yeah, of course. And, and, and so you have it. And if they say no, then you just get rid of it. But, uh, uh, yeah, definitely start right from the beginning. Like, oh, man, I can't believe it. We just talked about all this great nerdy stuff. Hey, listen, I wonder if we have any, any nuggets in there. We uh, got them. Uh, no, no, trust me. We, we still got it. We still oh, got oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Keith Knight so was talking some craziness. Now, hey, no. listen. Well, we now we start we started recording, but that's really the perfect intro. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> folks, listen. So we got an awesome episode for you today. You know, you are listening to the three angry black people. I almost forgot the name of this podcast. I, oh, no. I, oh, no. I'm I, Big Lorenzo, joined by. <laughs> Big Rob in the house as always. And we got a wonderful guest kicking it with us today. He is a cartoonist, a brilliant speaker, writer, and his brand new show, Woke, is off the hook. I want y'all to give it up for Keith Knight. Yeah! Give it up. Give it up. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. You know, uh, one of the things I I remember uh, when I was first doing my slideshows, I would have there was this one guy who had the greatest laugh, uh, just has the greatest laugh. And I always thought if I ever do a TV show with like one of those traditional comedies to where they have the studio audience that I would just want this one guy laughing, <laughs> a one person uh, laugh track and, and see if anyone notices what a one person laugh track sounds like. It'd be really fun. It'd be fun. At least that one person likes me. oh gosh so you know i got i gotta thank you for the advice i usually always like to just you know make sure everybody's cool before i hit the record so that way nobody feels like oh man you tripped me up but then at the same time i was like you know what that could be some awesome b-roll this man was like this man was geeking out with us for like for like 10 15 minutes man we was having a good time i know i know but you know what i try to i try to be respectful that's me right 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 okay okay let's, okay yeah. let's just quick let's just quickly go over what we went over we, we, <laughs> all right we, we, we talked about we, mandalorian yeah mandalorian we talked about actors who are so good playing bad guys that we hate them in real life and we shouldn't do that. Um, and and we named a few different people. My guy was the guy who was the father in that 70s show who played the bad guy in RoboCop. I forget his name. Um, Kevin Spacey, which is completely understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so many levels. And who else? I can't remember anybody else. But, An- but Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Anthony Hopkins, and then uh, and then uh, Idris Elba, who had to um, pretend to not have a British accent because people would freak out when they would see recognize him from The Wire, and then he'd speak with a British accent. They'd be like, "No, what do you what? What is that voice?" So, uh, and that sounds like an episode already. Like that just sounds like a concept. Like I could see in your uh, new show that you have. You know what I mean? like how we identify ourselves and you know what I mean? You know, 
people not necessarily being the people you think they are just because of a portrayal that you see on screen, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. Like, and that's, you know, I think that's, and it's also what you expect from a show. I think people go into a show uh, like, like woke, like with a, a provocative title like that, expecting a show to be a certain way. And listen, we wouldn't have named it woke if we didn't take the piss out of it, you know, this was super important for us to show that not everything is black and white. Uh, there's a lot of gray (laughs) and, and all this stuff. You can't totally be totally woke. You can't totally not, uh, be woke. And so it's like a number of different things. Woke is always something to me. That's always been said in our sarcastic manner. You know what I mean? Like to me, it was always, it's like, it's like being, it's like saying you're gangster. Nobody says they're gangster. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just, yeah. you, know, you know, you know, you don't have to say if you really are a person that's on that level, that's a thug, or if you're really a person that is enlightened, then you seek out to do it. You don't say it, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. It, well, and it's the same thing with uh, the term politically correct, you know? Yeah. Politically correct is, is, is used by angry white people to say, oh, I got to be PC. Oh, I, I can't uh, call this person uh, a, a derogatory name that I could have called them 10 years ago. So I have to be PC. Oh, I have to treat people nice. You know? Yeah. It, it, and they use it like it's some sort of oppressive thing, but it, it really is just about treating people respectful. It's it just, I'm not going to use the word politically correct. I'm just going to say, like, I'm going to be nice and considerate to people that's all so when your show started on uh you know you know i saw i saw episode one of woke uh last night and while i was watching it i could already tell to me what you were trying to do and and you can let me know if i'm on the right track here because the first thing I, i i thought of when i saw uh your character like interacting and then you know things kind of talking to you is is like is is like spike lee and what i mean by that is you have in your show to me a way of of making things so that you don't really answer questions about you know is this right or is this wrong necessarily but you're leaving it up to the viewer to kind of make it their own opinion and right at at that moment where 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 that was happening it was like yeah this is kind of like i'm getting this do the right thing thing vibe and then i don't want to spoil it but then you have this you know what i mean you have the radio raheem moment you know and it was like yeah okay okay he is kind of going with that am i right on that (laughs) you are totally right on that listen i love uh the the do the right thing is one of my favorite movies and um also three kings is like that too mm. which is which is they it's there no one is totally right and nobody is totally wrong like right. they're not giving they're not giving you the answers they're they're asked they're making you ask the question and to me I, I, that is like you're totally right that's what i'm trying to get at Mm-hmm. Nobody in the show is totally right, and nobody in the show is totally wrong. There's Everybody truth from both has, sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is why 
you know, Clovis, who, you know, normally, you know, comes off as this sexist, you know, lying, deviant character, has all these great points. Like, he is never totally wrong. You know, he, 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 he just says, listen, like, don't blow this. If you're woke, you're, you're going to lose all this stuff. And he, and he ends up being right, you know, just like, it's, um, and, and it, it, it's like that across the board. Yeah. And, and ultimately, like, um, in the show, you know, the, the character Keith has this, you know, this traumatizing experience with the cops. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why at the end of the episode, he, he gets bugged by somebody that <laughs> he kind of looks like <laughs> right, him, you know? Right. So it's like, it's like not... he was the guy that, yeah, you was the guy that got taken out by the police, man. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. All right, now run that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, watching the episode, there was the high, there was the highs, the lows, everything, and I like, I loved it. And that, that part at the end, it got me, because it was like, yeah, you know, you're the guy, that guy. And then like when he's like, okay, run the stuff, I'm sitting there like, oh man, come on. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Too. Like, really, man? Right. This, this but the, but the hug, the hug, that part. <laughs> oh, Listen. The hug. The, yeah, the, that the, was my favorite part, which is, you know, Lamar's going, hey now, hey now. It's just so funny. Was that, so, so, was, funny. so was that done in one take or was that like just like kind of like an improv thing and y'all was like, okay, let's roll with it? I, I think it was hard improv, but we did we did a number of different scenes uh, like that where we had a we had a different mugger and um, that looked less like him. And then we had then we had uh, one where Lamorne was mugging himself, but it got a little too uh, into the weeds. It got a little too like uh, too magical realism type of thing. It, it, it got really weird. So uh, so I think this was the best way to go with it. But there were you know it'd be really interesting to have all these alternate versions of it. But uh, the original mugger was actually. Uh, lighter skin and I, I actually like the idea of a lighter skin character robbing the darker skin protagonist oh. I would yeah, yeah I would have approved of that because you know it, it's that it's that stigma you know the darker you, the darker you are the more thug you are so exactly you know. exactly so so I like the, the, the subtle thing of that Sub, but the subtle flip yeah. yeah yeah but it's like you know it's you just gotta sort of it's it, there's a lot of you know it, working on a production with a lot of different opinions a lot of different ideas um we just went with i think the best the best version of it where people it made the most i think sense to the most amount of people so um so we just you know it's, when you're working on something like this there were things that you wish you could do um that you, you go, you go, you, you fight your fights where you can fight them, and and we we got a lot of we got away with a lot of things, and you know, and there so were you, some things we could get away with. So you have the freedom, would you say, or like as far as because the topics you know that you deal with, you know, being a cartoonist, and you know what you're doing with woke, you know, it's very hard. You know, I don't. I don't like to even use the word PC, but you know that PC, that PC tightrope. So, 
do you do you feel like you can uh put out what you need to put out or like has there ever been a, a scenario where it's like you you really want to do something and they were halting you do you know what i'm saying no i mean hula was really uh really great to work with and they they the, the executives that brought us on board were so um what mattered to them was my voice stayed into the in the show and it was important for my sensibility to be in the show and so yeah so they yeah yeah it was it was pretty amazing and um that's why that's why it's so gratifying when people who know my work who followed my work for decades are like oh my god you're all over this like how did how did this man how did you manage to to have so much influence on what's on the screen because <clears throat> you know for all the time you hear about artists you know creators who sell their stuff to hollywood and then they get mad because hollywood took it and messed it up did something to it yeah. and they're like and it turns out like they, they they don't have anything to do with it and so for me when this was going down like when the deal was first made i was like listen like i have to be a part of this like if, if Hollywood is going to screw this up, this is my one chance. If Hollywood's going to screw it up, I want to be there screwing it up along with them. I want to be on the ground so I see where it got screwed up and all that stuff. And so um, it was just important for me because this could be my only chance. So it's just like, I'm going to, I don't want, I wouldn't want to sell it and then have nothing to do with it. And it comes out and it's a failure. Yeah. And then I would, I'd have this, these regrets. I'd sit there and go like, Oh man, like, what if I worked on it? But being a part of it, being, you know, all, I mean, and I'm talking about, like, I was in the writer's room. Um, I was on, you know, set approving, like, costumes and uh, uh, where we shot stuff out, outside the, the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the auditions with all the side, you know, the, the side characters and all that. Like, there was so much stuff I got to be a part of. And, it, you know, it wasn't just me. I mean, there was an amazing, I think they put together a really amazing team of people that understood that my sensibility was unique. And it was a tough thing to, 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 to figure out, which is dealing, you know, having this animation, having this humor, having these serious issues that you're dealing with and just yeah. doing that balance, that balance. And, uh, and with a character that you really haven't seen on TV before. So, um, we're just very fortunate. I, I was very fortunate that it came together the way it did. Well, oh, well, I want to actually take it back for a quick second, and 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 really start. I really want to get a sense a sense from you, from a creative standpoint. Like, was there was there a moment for you um, when you were like when you were a cartoonist, and then going into your show? Was there any type of uh, incident that happened in America or something that you see that just sets you off and say, you know what? I need to speak about this. I need to express myself. Well, um, I, I just think early on it was important for me to just convey. I wanted to create a comic strip that that I would want to read. 
Okay, so when it first came out, which was early 90s, mm-hmm. um, you know, whenever anyone was portrayed as being a hip-hop fan, they were in a gang or they were doing, you know, they were, uh, it, it was just always a negative portrayal. And it was like, that never reflected any of my myself or my friends. Like, we were into hip-hop and we were into other music and we were smart and uh we were into politics and into you know it was just i just wanted to portray just something that reflected my sensibilities and so um so that's that's what i created and and i touched upon race in a lot of different ways that people i guess responded to which was you know using a lot of humor but i i I really think you know there were two really huge things that happened in in my life that really speak to it which is when i was uh, a junior in college i had my first black teacher i didn't have my first black teacher till i was a junior in college and wow. he was an american yeah it's crazy it's crazy um i've had substitute teachers i've had black teachers in the school that i was in but um i i never had them but very very few huh. and um so and you're, from, and this, you're from North Carolina, right? No, oh, no, no, no. I'm, oh, I'm from what? Boston. Oh, Boston. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. What, what you say, Boston? They're like, oh, all right, I get it now. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so this this teacher, American literature teacher, gave us uh, to read Ralph Ellison, um, Maya Angelou, Richard Wright, James Baldwin. And when someone said, why are you giving us all black writers? He said, I'm giving you all American writers. Mm. And, yeah. And that was the thing that blew my head up because we are taught to learn. You know, we are taught Mark Twain is quintessential American literature, you know. And he, and he was working within the system to subvert the system and really send out this message that, what you were taught is bullshit. And so, um, mm. so that really stuck with me. And that, that, that really made me want to, when I do my autobiographical comic strip, to, to continually remind people that, you know, this is a, a comic from the perspective of someone you don't hear enough of, which is, you know, a young black male growing up in America. And so, yeah. um, so I would do these comics about race and, and people would really respond to them. And that's the second time that really made me double and triple down with it was I, I had that incident where I was profiled by cops in San Francisco and I was hanging up posters just like the character in the show. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's much more dramatized than the show. But the thing that really blew my mind was my white roommate jumped off this bus and, and ran up to the cops in a way that we as black people could never do. If he right. was black or brown, he went up, he got up in their face and was, was going completely insane. And they were like treating him like he was the manager, you know? Like they were like, calm down. It's okay. Take it easy. You know, they were really, and I was, that's yeah. what blew my mind, you know? Like I was, get out. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, holy, I, I was just freaked out, man. And uh, so that's really sort of what made me 
really sort of um, lean into it and just, just go hardcore with it. And that was over 20 years ago. And that's the thing that blows my mind is everyone keeps on saying, oh, your show is right on time. Your show is right on time. I said, you know what? Racism is evergreen. Police brutality is evergreen. Yeah. This show would have been right on time 10 years ago. It would have been right on time 20 years ago. Uh, but, you know. The issues are I mean, still going on. Yep. And 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's still going to be going on. But I'm hoping that we are making some progress. It's slow, but five years ago when I did my racial literacy, literacy slideshow that I did last yesterday for SBX. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, when I would mention white supremacy, when I would mention white privilege, you know, people scoffed, um, people rolled their eyes. But you know, I mean, I'm talking about white people, but <laughs> but they oh, it's just they're a not, few bad apples, you know. Yeah, it's not really but, a problem. But they get it. They 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 understand it now. Like they. They, um, you know, you really have to double and triple your blinders on not to understand white privilege and white supremacy. And, you know, I just explained to them in very simple terms. If you look at the Tonight Show, if you look at any of these late night shows, there's always some less talented. It's hosted by some less talented white, white dude. And they always have a much more talented, funnier, better black musician sidekick. Um, you cannot tell me that Questlove would not be a better host of the Tonight Show. Oh Jimmy, my gosh! Jimmy Fallon should be uh, should be entertaining the audience between commercials, like one of those act comedians that do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the exactly. Hype man. The hype man. Shout out to Jimmy Fallon though for putting on the roots, though. I mean, they, 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 he didn't have to put on the roots. Yeah, 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 Don't do yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. No. I got, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Hold it. Uh, uh, I mean, didn't Jimmy Fallon select the Roots to be his band? Yes, but here's the thing, because that takes away from the legacy they've... You know what we're talking to, Mr. Astonishing, <laughs> Mr. Keith Knight. Yeah, it's like it's like street credibility. It's like, it's like you know, it's like having... We're basically, you know... It, it's just it's just an excuse saying, well, look, look what Jimmy Fallon did. He at least gave them a job or, or you no, know, well, it's... It, Right, right, right. Well, well, I I want to clarify myself. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I get the it. legendary Roots crew. We got it. I I got it. Look, I'm just saying, I, yeah. The legendary Roots crew should they should be running. They should have their own show. They, believe me, I think they're the greatest band. They are working class, amazing. I I, I believe me. I think I I, I watch Questlove when he's DJing and he tells the stories and everything. But I'm just saying, when there's a COVID interview between uh, uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon, mm-hmm. the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. and Questlove, mm. and Questlove is 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 asking the greatest questions and getting into it with the Beastie Boys, while Jimmy Fallon is is nervously going through his record collection to show that he has like a 12 inch of, of cookie puss, you know? Like, yeah, it's like, like the I'm, I'm cool too kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I want to like, be a part of the club. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I I tell you, like, just you look at all those shows, man, and and you just nod your head and you're just like, you know, mm-hmm. 
Mm. I don't know. I, don't get me ranting. <laughs> why, why is the NBA logo? Why is there a white man on the NBA logo? You tell me that. And then it's eight ninety five percent African-American. I mean, yeah, they get some people yeah. over from Europe. And yeah, every now and then you get a really cool white dude that's in the mix. And I'm like, oh, look at him. But like, no, seriously, LeBron has been carrying their league for the last five years. But I do have a question yeah. to ask. I'm so sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you see how the anger just jumps out. Um, My question <laughs> <laughs> my question was um when you talked about because i um geez this is why i shouldn't write questions down short version earlier we were talking about like how family affects our sometimes affects our life decisions and when you were talking about um becoming a cartoonist in um a different interview you mentioned that your uncle was an illustrator or was a cartoonist or i don't want to get it wrong he was an artist i'll say artist so yeah how, my uncle Yes. My great uncle. Your yeah. great oh. So I just wanted to know how was it when you decided like, okay, I'm going to college and also I noticed that um just to make it clear, you did go to a predominantly white school, correct? Yeah. Okay. So when you went to college, how was it with your parents saying, Hey, I'm about to do this field? Because like back in the nineties, you know, graphic design wasn't as big as it is now. How was it like getting your did you care about your parents' acceptance or was it one of those things like your parents like, Do you? We got you, don't worry about it and your uncle oh sorry. And your uncle was the same way, like, you know, you do know we have this lineage of creatives and artists in our family. Well, it, it's interesting because my, yeah, my dad, my dad's side of the family, which my uncle Owen was on, uh, it was his uncle. Um, that's, yeah, the artistic side of the family. And, um, and my mom's side is from the South. And I don't know, my mom just had some, I don't know, how do you say it? I just remember Hutzpah. being, yeah, I, being in a, um, a shoe store when we were kids, and my mom, we were being followed through the shoe store, and my mom just turning around and ripping this person who was following us through the shoe store, ripping them a new ass, asshole. Can I say that? We're on yeah. a podcast, right? Oh, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We are unfiltered completely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as, as a kid, you like you don't. You know, you don't realize like what's going on, and you know you're like embarrassed. Like, why is my mom like you know yelling at this person? But I, I just totally um, give her so much credit and so much, um, you know, because I, I just remember the moment I did that myself when I was being followed at this uh, new office store that had opened up, office supply store that opened up in my neighborhood in San Francisco, and this dude was following me everywhere, and like my spidey sense went off, and I was like man, this dude is trailing me all through here, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, I, I just had this flashback of my mom and just, just, I totally went at this guy and, you know, the guy was like, cheapestly apologized. I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it was my dad's side that like my dad, um, would sit with me and draw like all, like we draw trees and just draw like a hundred leaves all over the trees and stuff together. It was pretty, pretty cool, but he never really pursued it. My uncle, uh, on the other hand, tried to get into math college of art Ooh. when, uh, back in the day, but you know, as a black man, couldn't get into it, uh, mm -hmm. couldn't get in there. Mm -hmm. So he ended up going to Paris. He, he ended up going to Paris, um, just, just to, to study there and just to be in Paris. And he got, you know, he got caught up in the scene there, and he ended up getting stabbed in a bar. He was like, "What?" <laughs> he was in the neighborhood. First of all, he said he stayed at this hotel where, like, he said there were all these 
beautiful women there all the time. And he, and he didn't realize then, but now he realizes it was a, a brothel. Like, it, it was a place where there were tons of prostitutes. And he ended up getting stabbed in a bar. Like, uh, two people were fighting near him, and a guy tried to stab the guy, other guy and ended up stabbing him. And he ended up coming home after six months. He run through all his money, and he said he came home and, like, he was skinny as anything because he didn't have enough food. It was, but but just those, like, I come from a family of storytellers, and they would spin these stories at my uncle's bar downstairs, and I would just sit wide-eyed listening to all this stuff, and just being like, that's what I want to do, is tell stories like this, you know? And uh, so, these comics are a manifestation of that. Now, I was always encouraged to be a cartoonist and draw when I was in grade school, but once I got to college... (laughs) And, uh, you know, my parents saw that I was serious. They were like, uh, there's no money in cartooning. <laughs> they, start, they started changing the tune. But um, but it was too late by then. I was like, listen, it's too late. Why would you encourage me all this whole time? But yeah. the school, the school, yeah, I, 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 I said, listen, there's no cartooning classes here anyway. I'm just going to major in graphic design. But... You know, the education I got was doing cartoons for the local newspaper, uh, for the school newspaper, doing posters for all the different clubs and stuff. And I, I started making money even then. And um, and again, it wasn't much money. And my parents were totally right. There was no money in cartooning. And uh, you don't realize that, um, you know, that cartooning payday was back in the day, um, in the, I don't know, 30s or 40s. And... It had to be, you know, a white cartoonist doing this. Uh, George Harriman, who did Crazy Cat back in the day, was a black man that pretended to be white so he could get paid. And um, so, yeah, I realized there was absolutely no money in it, but uh, it was too late anyway. And uh, I just scraped together a, a career just hustling, you know. I, I had a mentality the same as hip hop, you know, where like you're selling stuff out of the back of a trunk. You was like that. Uh, yeah, instead I was selling zines like where I would sell zines at at at, um, at protests downtown in San Francisco. I would walk around with sandwich boards. I was with my cousin once in New York on the subways of New York with a sandwich board on selling selling zines. And people, I think people that we were like undercover police officers. <laughs> I like it was just so absurd. I remember, uh, uh, yeah, like a New York subway train uh, uh, operator, like sticking his head out and was like, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm selling my comics." He's like, "Oh, I'll buy one." And he goes, "You got change for fifty? And um, we were totally stoned off our heads, and <laughs> we're like pulling out wads of money and trying to count it. And I'm sure everybody was like. Okay, all that money in their hand is that's the bait. Like these guys are undercover cops and they're pretending <laughs> to be really stoned and stupid. <laughs> oh but um, yeah, it was it, we. I did a lot of interesting stuff, and and um, so uh, yeah, it was twenty eight years probably of of <laughs> foolishness of of being cheap and putting together this career and. I just said on an interview the other day, I'm a 30-year overnight success. I love it. <laughs> I mean, more people need that yeah. mentality to understand that it's not just 
you know, it doesn't take a day. It takes yeah. years it takes for time. true success. It take yeah, it takes yeah. time. Yeah, it it does. It does. I remember hey. I remember when we went to, when I went to SPX the uh first time ever and my wife you know she had the, she she grabbed one of the um uh the little things they give you the booklets and they got the they got all the panels and i saw yours and i was like this is the one i want to go to like if I, if i do nothing else here this is the one i want to go to and i got to hear you speak and by the end of that i was like all right I'm a I'm buying this man's comics, <laughs> you know. Like I'm I'm with it because just I could see the the passion behind your speech, like literally. And when you had the pencil, you were holding up the pencil, and like you broke it. I'm looking around the room, and I'm just seeing some of the faces who were like having to ingest everything. But <laughs> yeah. while you're speaking, my like like we're just sitting here, and I'm like I'm fine. It's like if you got a room, if you got like a room full of um, test subjects, X-Men, because we were geeking out earlier, so I'm going to definitely get this out. You got a room full of test subjects and you got the one that makes it and the ones looking around to see how everybody else is affected by the gas. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there like, yeah, I'm good. My wife's good. What about the rest of y'all? Because for the rest of the day, this is going to be in your heads. And that's what I love seeing. <laughs> I mean, look, I saw, I mean, I mean, I just purchased your, uh, they shoot black people. Don't, I mean, just that title alone, just, just, just had, just had me sold. They shoot black people. Don't, I was like, this is going to be some fire. I can't wait to get it. Uh, I think it's in the mail processing right now. So as soon as I get it, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that that's the most satisfying thing about all this is, you know, for years, the comics community have just known about my stuff, and now with the show, like my, I, I am. There's so many orders, and I have to apologize to you if, if the order is a little bit delayed because I am getting hundreds of orders. Like, <laughs> hey, that's a many. positive. That's a positive problem, my friend. Yeah. Good things come to those who wait. I will patiently wait for my book. I'd rather have that problem than nobody at all, you know? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great because we homeschool our kids. And be- before all co- all this COVID went down, and one of the things that, you know, they're helping me with is filling out all the, the envelopes and all that stuff. So, like, you know, I got them working. This is why you have kids. So you, <laughs> you, can, work, you can work them. <laughs> And uh, no, it's 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 been really gratifying, and I, I'm glad that you talked about that because um, for me, doing these slideshows are so therapeutic. Doing the art, first doing art is just so therapeutic. And saying like, I don't know if you don't have an outlet like a podcast or uh, a comic strip or um, or making music, like all this stuff that's going on just stays in your head and it can really if you're not if you're not getting therapy it's like it it can really wear you down so it's so important for us to express ourselves without and and that's what black people have done which is you know like every american music is black music you know american culture is black culture we create uh, a lot of times out of the frustrations that we experience and um you know, America needs to come to terms 
with the idea, like leads to come to um, and, and embrace the idea of what would happen if we gave everybody what they needed, and what could what could we create if you know instead of instead of a society that exploits a major number of people, you know, like America was built on exploit exploitation of people. So they don't know any other way. So, you know, slavery begat sharecropping begat the imprisonment, prison industrial complex. But what would happen if we just gave people enough that they could just do and pursue what they wanted to pursue? Like yeah. we, we could be, this could be the most amazing, productive, uh, and, and just spiritually decent country in the history of this planet yeah. if, if people embrace that idea. But I think there are too many people out there that feel, and that, that's, that was the argument that the South made uh, to the North. We can't. We can't get rid of slavery. Like the economy won't be able to sustain itself if we have to start paying people to do this work. And and I think to this day, people say we can't raise the minimum wage. We can't pay. We can't give out um, unemployment benefits that are higher than than what we've already given because uh, the economy cannot be sustained on giving people enough money to live on which is pathetic you know yeah i get i get tired of that excuse yeah yeah it's yeah oh no go ahead all i was going to say i mean it's just logically bs what they say because i'm like no like when you do the math like every time i've seen people do projections of the math and especially with the whole like the first time i ever heard the reason they couldn't get rid of slavery was because it was going to destroy the economy but then like I found out that another part of it was they was like, well, it's actually going to destroy the economy for the North. And the North was still like, oh, like by the time they signed on to it and they realized it was going to destroy their economy, they was like, we need to put something in place to prevent this from destroying our economy because it was going to take jobs away from incoming immigrants that look like them. If that makes any sense, but we won't go into yeah. that. That I part mean, of history. I, I mean, look, so I mean, look, sell a stealth bomber. Bam, we got money. Huh? Just just sell one stealth, stealth bomber or what? what is it, 18, the F, in the 1864? F-15? No, 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 no. I was bringing it back. No, I was bringing it back to what he was saying about the idea of you know not being able to make things on an equal playing level. Oh, they don't want to you know? do that because they want fear and cheap labor yeah. is the built and, of this country and greed. Let's not forget greed. But let's keep this on the positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I mean, if you want to get it on a positive thing, but this is, this is, you know, the name of your podcast, right? Like, you can't make a stuff. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> but, but listen, we don't need to sell weapons to anybody. Here's what we need to do. You take the 20 richest people in this country. I mean, Jeff Bezos has $200 billion. If you half their wealth, if you half their, the, these billionaires' wealth, their lives would not change one bit. Like, like uh, one person could not spend a billion dollars in 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 their lifetime. Yeah. And you have, you have people who have fifty billion, a hundred billion, two hundred billion. Their lives would not change. Their families' lives for generations would not change. In fact, the 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 
markets are designed for them to make that money back really quickly because mm -hmm. like interest and all and they don't have to do anything but if you took half that wealth and then redistributed to the rest of the country we would have yeah. health care for everybody we mm -hmm. would have a decent wage for everybody we would have just everything no college debt all that stuff so we can do it mm -hmm. it can be done but unfortunately we have rich people that are in power that are just helping more rich people that's yeah. it that's it's, actually uh, a but... foreshadow of what i was going to talk about when we uh record next was jeff bezos can solve the world's problems right now <laughs> or at least a lot of them I mean, anything yeah that anything that deals with that deals with money like he's saying if you took five five billion from that man oh look we got testing we got all the testing we yeah. need now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying five billion. He has no. two hundred yeah. billion. I don't think people yeah. realize what two hundred billion dollars is. They I don't, don't think people realize yeah. what one billion dollars is. But there's a great analogy about the difference between a million dollars and a billion dollars. And it's this it's this crazy um, like it is so much more money. No individual should have a billion dollars. Like, and there's a, a, a meme that goes around saying, "Listen, if you do reach a billion dollars, you should like, you know, there should be a celebration, right? Like, and 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 there should be a park named after you, and that and that you beat capitalism, and that's it. Like, you shouldn't actually. You should. Uh, there should be a maximum wage." You make that billion dollars, and then you can't make any more after that. And the rest of it just is redistributed amongst people. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm hearing people warm up to the idea of a, a, a universal basic income, which is just to pay people like a thousand bucks a month. And and, um, and here's the thing why, why I believe it should happen, which is, you know, people say, well, that means then people won't, won't want to work. And here's the thing. We give people money, like, people have to spend that money. They're not going to afford it, right? So those people who get the $1,000, they have to eat, they have to pay rent, they have to buy clothing, they have to do, they have to play video games or do whatever they have to do. That money is going to go back into the economy. And frankly, there are so many jobs that are being killed because of this, destroyed because of COVID that there are going to be less jobs out there. There are going to be people who, yeah. if they don't want to work, don't work. That means that the jobs that are out there are going to be uh, easier to get to people who do want to work, that do want to work. So a person who's sitting around getting $1,000, that $1,000 is not disappearing. It's not being hoarded. It's going to be spent. It's, it's giving $1,000 it's, it's tax cut to Jeff Bezos, in which you will never see that money. That $200 million is never going to go back into the economy, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, I, should, I shouldn't say that. Uh, a like, that $199 billion is never going to go back into the economy. $1 billion he'll use it to spend on stuff, but the rest of it is in the ether. Like, nobody is going to yeah. make use of it. So... Um, it should be trickle up, not trickle down. You give money to poor. There's a reason why, uh, you know, pe poor people have, they have stuff to spend. Like, I mean, they have bills to pay. They have 
stuff that they're going to put money to. And so you should be giving money to them. You should be giving tax breaks to them because that will circulate in the economy. Rich people don't spend their money. And, and the more money you get, the more free stuff you get. I have noticed <laughs> the more successful I get, the more free stuff I get. Um, I have yeah. more liquor. I have more liquor in my kitchen than I will ever drink in my life. <laughs> People hip, just the hip hop ones, the ones you hear in hip hop, <laughs> the Hennessy's. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, make, a Maker's Mark. Uh, I get a, I get a lot of bourbon. I get a lot of bourbon. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. But I just noticed that the richer you get. Um, and I by no means am rich, but like the more successful you get, the more free stuff you get. That's interesting. It's weird. It's, yeah. it's weird. And, and it's that that's uh, that's companies seeing the energy, seeing what you're doing. And part of it is like, oh, hey, you know what? Ha- have this on us. And it's a way to if they can if they can somehow siphon off the energy that you have and just reinvest it. That's one angle. But then these also companies like, you know, like Maker's Mark, where it's just like, oh, we're good on money. But, hey, you know what? Have this, you know, where this Rolex in the next episode. Listen, I wish I wish somebody would just be like, hey, have, have a whole whole bottle of like cranking. Just just have it. Just have it. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm, I will take it. I will take it. But at the, <laughs> at the same time, but but at the same time, right, like um, I, I just got notice from my bank saying like. Um, we're changing our policies to have, um, like, you have to keep this amount of money in your checking account. Otherwise, we charge you this amount of money to keep a checking account. Mm. So, if you have less than five hundred dollars, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna charge you like twenty five bucks to have that in there. Like, they are they they tax poor people like you know if you're poor you just get nickeled in time everywhere all the time and it's just we we have to change like this society has to be different has to try something different you know i agreed agreed we were having um and this and the fact we're having this conversation it goes back to what i was saying when you're growing up and your parents keep saying, you know, go to college, go to college, get a school loan. And if you need to, you're in debt for, uh, you know, that school loan, which may and may not lead to a job. But yeah, yeah. If they yeah. were to have that same energy where the person may not really be feeling school, but have had ideas to own their own business. And they say, you know, what? Well, we're going to create a program. You're going to take this class to learn the, the fundamentals you're going to need to run your business. You pass that class successfully and we'll provide you with a small business loan. Even yeah, if yeah. that person's business, like they, they want to go into the, the porn industry and sell nothing but dildos, <laughs> you know, if that business somehow does not actually work, they at least had the knowledge from that class. The fundamentals. That they could say, well, maybe go, maybe I can go back, learn more, or maybe I can get a job working with somebody else learn more ropes so either way they're still able to keep pulling themselves up if we had that same energy that we often see for like sally may when they're like oh yeah you need to get through school yeah we'll help you it'd be a totally different playing field it would be a lot oh, yeah. it would be a lot better and it kills me too because when that article came out about the sally may employees being in hawaii 
Meanwhile, I got a whole email talking about when my payment was due. I was ready to be like, yeah, so since you're celebrating all the school loans, you sons of bitches need to go ahead and fly me to Hawaii. I want to drink my time and wave my dick on the beach too, bitch. I'm sorry. I will never... I will, hey now, hey with, now. I will never mess with Sally Mae or Wells or Wells Fargo. Ever. Okay. I, I, I like that we finally reached now now I get the title of the podcast. But <laughs> that was it right there. That was the moment. But uh yeah, no, there's a number of things that you that you talk about, which is yeah, like like there needs to be a return to the vocational schools of the past. Like Back in the day, we used to make fun of the kids that went to the Vogue because we knew that they weren't going to college and stuff. But those are the those are the electricians, those are the the, the um, mechanics and stuff like that. Um, they they need to come back because I don't think that going to college is the be all end all anymore. Yeah. And you're right; it's like it's like this whole system to get into that debt, like the whole American dream about going to college puts you in debt, about buying a house put you in debt like the american dream really is is it is, is the dream of all these banks and it's like it is of people going into debt even like back in the day the whole success of hollywood you'd always read about all these filmmakers that would uh put you know they would spend they would uh put the movie on their credit cards right they would uh i think um kevin smith did that like paid for his movie with his credit card, you know, like put in 25000 or whatever. And so I had this whole sort of myth, mythical thing that if I ran up my credit card, if, as long as it was towards my art, it was okay. And that that's a load of BS too. Like, like all of it is about us going into debt, you know, and, um, and it's such a, it's such a sham, man. It's such a sham. I, I, like, College is not the be all end all. And if you are like, it's better to, if you're interested in, in doing a skill, it's better to approach like a decent, you know, company and say, Hey, listen, like I want to learn how to do this. Can I, you know, shadow somebody mm-hmm. and learn how to do it? You know, like that's, that's the whole thing about homeschooling, which is like, it, it isn't just about like hiding your kids away and keeping them away from everybody else and, and teaching them, you know, religious, religious stuff all the time. It's about like, like your kid, you know, finding what interest, what interests your kid and then going and pursuing that. I take my kids to, you know, well, pre COVID days when they were interested in something I'd, like, let's go. Okay. Let's check out this, uh, you know, let's go to the fire station and do a tour of the fire station let's go to this restaurant and see what they do behind the scenes of this restaurant. You know, let's go to this record company and see like what it's like to run a record shop, you know, stuff like that. That's what you bring the growth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just have, you know, they pursue what they're interested in. And I think they have a better idea of, of what they want. Uh, I think more than kids that go to school um, and are forced to like, learn this bs history and then have to pass a test at the end of the year so and i would also like to comment that you know i would like to give respect to the porn industry because (laughs) the porn industry whenever there's a new technology it's the porn industry that um keeps it going long enough for the rest of the industries to catch up (laughs) so if, if you notice back in the day like when vhs first came out you know 
it was like porn would keep that VHS thing going. And then when it went to like DVD, it was porn that kept the, the industry going. Right now, porn is keeping, and, and the internet too, they were the first successful industry to figure out how to monetize the internet. And then now it's, it's VR, virtual reality. Right now, like virtual reality is hanging on because of porn. And then eventually, it's 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 the rest of the industries are going to catch up and figure out how to how to make it work. Sex, so I'm is a unifier. <laughs> I, yes, I'm giving respect to to it, and uh, so. Oh no, y'all! Yeah, I'm sure this is a, a very interesting podcast to all your listeners. Oh no! Trust me. Uh, 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 right yeah. now, I'm like, we got you know three. You, you know, we're three angry black people. You could easily be the fourth member sitting <laughs> sitting in the chair yeah, to the left that's empty right now. Yeah, when we when we um when we have when we have a guest on, we we try to we try to tone it a little bit, but we always are like, hey, it really depends because we can we can get we can be silly. We can be serious, you know. We 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 like to show our host the most attention. So that's definitely what it was. I loved it though, because when I reached out to you, I was like, you know, some guy podcast, the ring of black people. And when your response is, I love the title. I was like, I, I was like, well, that right there was all that I needed. <laughs> so anybody come <laughs> along is it's just like, well, I don't mind doing a podcast, but are y'all going to be angry? We'll be whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. Because what resonated with me the uh with the most, and you talked about this um yesterday, and you said it uh, uh uh during this uh episode is that you were making the comics that you wanted to see. You were creating for yourself. And yeah. I love that because when we were coming up with the uh the podcast idea, it was a lot of okay what should we do how do we want to do it yeah and then we were also looking at like sources like uh prx they were like giving tips like on how you should do your podcast and all that you should keep it to this time like a lot of metrics a lot of business and i'm like okay that doesn't make sense because joe button can talk for a good goddamn two three hours <laughs> easy and ain't nobody giving him a, a shit about it and then i thought that's like we are creating a platform. If we start worrying about what everybody wants out of it, we're not going to express ourselves. And I really love that you were sticking to that, that energy is like, I'm just, I'm creating for me what I wanted to see. And I think that's really important for anybody that's doing anything. It's yeah. when you want to have your voice out there, you want something to be reflective. It starts with you. Yeah. You know, yeah. we wait for yeah. everybody else to do it. We'll be waiting for a very long time. That's true. You know, and it's, so- Totally, and, yes. and nothing beats authenticity. So you know, you know, if you're speaking words, you know, people will follow you, even if you're going against the grain or you're going in your own direction. It's something people want to hear, and you're speaking the truth in 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 your own way. It's going to reflect in people saying, "Oh, you know what? Let me check this out." So we don't have to follow a formula necessarily. That's why we like to keep it loose. You know. You know what the wildest yeah. thing is? I was what? drunk. One night, we, me and my friends were hanging out, and I was I was pretty buzzed. And there's this one part down, like just downtown, um, before they kind of tore everything up where the fountain was. And like I'm standing up, and it's like I'm giving a speech, and I'm just being silly. And this one guy who was just walking along stops, 
white guy just stops and he like looks up and he's listening to what I'm saying. I can't recall exactly what I'm saying. But then I was like, yeah, you got to show more love to people. My vanilla skin brother right there. You, you got to show more love. <laughs> and he, he started clapping and my friends knowing that I was buzz they are dying because they was like oh gosh l's really going to call this person out because i wasn't shy i wasn't shy about it i'm like well you stopped to listen so yeah you know we start talking we have keith on he's you know giving us this awesome insight to everything he's doing you're gonna have one person that just hears it on the offshoot and stops and they're like wait this this, this man created created woke and he has a scene where there's a trash can talking to him. Okay, I need to know more about this. Don't let it fool you. <laughs> and I and I love that part too. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> Cause I, well, I, thought, I, I now I'm worried, what? Keith. I'm I'm really worried, and you're going to be the first person I reach out to if I go into my barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know I will say this. Um, when I pitched the show. Um, and the pilot, like, like that's the one scene I just totally, I said, if I can get this scene shot, um, I, I feel like that's the essence of the show right there, which is, you know, he's trying to do the right thing and it's just not working out for him. He's like the Charlie Brown of activism. And, uh, <laughs> so like that to me encapsulates the, the, the whole first season and, um, uh, so I was just so gratified to see it play out and to see the way people re- react to it and laugh. And, and it's a great homage. It's, it's, it's everything all together. And what I love about it, too, is the co-writer, Marshall Todd, um, is all, was also the co-writer of Barbershop. And so oh. um, and Cedric, the entertainer, of course, was in Barbershop. And he he's the voice of the trash can. So, um, okay. you know when we were shooting that, I, I remember saying that to Marshall, I was like, man, like this must be really, uh, you know, coming around, like, uh, coming in, in a full circle for you. And he didn't even realize it until I explained it to, to him. But he was like, Oh man, like, wow, you're right. Uh, it was such a, a, a nice moment. So, uh, that makes me happy. Man, that, no, the, the, the show is great. I, and, uh, I've been a long time fan. Uh, I love the fact that, uh, I got to listen to you speak, you know, at SPX. And I think anybody that uh, goes to watch uh, the video, because we're definitely going to link it uh, at some point when, you know, we are back to a normal suit where we can be out not looking like, you know, Cobra Commander and everything. <laughs> um, I, I definitely recommend people if you're at SPX that they check you out because that really made a difference. It's one thing to, to hear it and see it on video, but to be there. I feel is so important and also love the fact too because um you're a hip-hop head and i remember uh and it was not the the first xpx but another one i saw you and we were in passing we couldn't stay long but i was like man i know we start talking about this hip-hop he's either gonna put me on to somebody or we're gonna be talking about the same artist for hours you know uh which brings me up to a question because you have a band I I do I, well I don't I don't anymore I used to and oh, the band I had oh no well no I mean I moved away so like we were based in San Francisco and I moved out of San Francisco in 2007 we had a reunion show in 2012 and I um, tore my Achilles um, oh. jumping up and down and I realized that I am too old 
kid to be jumping around and and doing. I would love to do music again, but um, I, I would have to. If if I were to perform it, I'd be, I'd be in a, a different. I'm in a different phase in my life. Let's just say that. But gotcha, um, gotcha. I had a great. You know, I I love doing it. I loved creating and doing all. You know. Being working on the show was a lot like being in a band, which is you bring an idea, especially as a cartoonist, which you do all the stuff by yourself. You know, you're in control of everything. There's no one to answer to. But when you're in a band or you're on a show, you bring an idea, and you just hope that uh, you have the people there that are going to take that idea and make it just so much better than you ever expected it to be. And that's what happened with both the band and with the uh with the show which is like i had these ideas but it became much richer and much more interesting than (laughs) what it started out being so um that was that was amazing but it but i also love the music in the show and um we all had um we all participated and especially me and mark public enemy I loved the I loved it when you started playing Fight the Power. That was I mean it was like an automatic. But uh, yeah, I mean, but there were so the so many interesting like whenever we wanted to do uh, like there's a, a scene I think in the second episode where we play um, Rainy Days and Mondays, which is a carpet a carpenter song, but we basically do. Um, we do a cover by the R&B group, The Intruders. Um, and so we're taking, you know, traditionally, you know, white music and just making it black, like, and, and giving homage to uh, just the, the, the creators and, and musicians, um, hopefully, you know, paying getting them a little bit of money so uh you know when we pay for these songs but um i love the idea of doing that of taking traditionally white songs and finding the black version of them you know i think we did that with um i'm sorry too um towards the end of the the season there was a it's this song i think from the 50s i'm sorry i'm sorry that we know that but we we found the the R and B version of that, and I love that. I love doing stuff like that, you know. Just um, um, and then just like uh, one of the jokes that I really liked um, was when Adrian in the fourth episode doesn't understand why everyone keeps on going, "Yo, Adrian," <laughs> and uh, and he goes Rocky, and she doesn't know what he's talking about. Like you don't know Rocky, and then he goes the prequel the creed and then she's like oh i love creed like i love yeah. giving you know like in this world like you know no one knows who rocky is but creed like yeah oh yeah creed is great yeah <laughs> so i still can't uh, believe people don't know who, like there's a real disconnect uh, oh man i'm i'm sorry i just had a senior moment <laughs> sense i mean i think about it you we grew up with rocky and then you had the generation in between that there was like all these remakes of horrible rocky movies and then like their kids now are like oh 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 sir creed and you're like but there's rocky and they're like yeah 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 creed like yeah Michael yeah, Jordan, yeah like I, I think yeah i think i think every generation has that uh that problem i always tell the story of my dad uh telling me how he was growing up with like rap but he was just you know 
uh, there when it started, and he kicked a rhyme, and I still I always feel bad about it, but he kicks a rhyme, and I laugh. You know, I laugh because to me, no, rap was Wu-Tang Clan. Rap was Onyx. Rap was Redman, you know. DMX. DMX. So there was no, so the way that he he was rhyming, you know, the flow, it, I, I, I wasn't making that connection. But then as I got older and I started te- learning and actually going back and listening to different MCs, you know, I then realized it was like, oh, Okay, now I see it. Now I'm understanding. It. Did he have a Curtis Blow flow? He like did. He he, he 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 had he had, he had kind of a it was kind of it was kind of a hybrid. It was kind of a hybrid. But you know, for me, it it, it was this one thing that I went back and I said, Dan, I'm sorry. I, I I was stupid. I I didn't. It was a lot that I didn't know. And he looked well. I don't know what you listen to now. I was like, well, hold on, Dad. Like. <laughs> Yeah, give me, give me, a, give me, a, give me a chance. Let me put you onto something. But at that point, it was, yeah. No, it was like when you was a kid, you was listening to all that craziness. So even as an adult, I don't, I don't trust you now. It's like, <laughs> okay, I, I deserve that. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that hit. But, um, well, I, but, but that's the case with everything, right? Like, like you, you know, you love what you come up with, right? So everybody has their favorite rappers from that time. But you're right. Like it, it's like. Then you realize that oh okay there's there's it's it's it, it's the same thing with uh, with James Bond right like you come up with the Bond that you know right and that's your favorite Bond and then you start to sort of look into check out James Bond movies then you realize oh, okay Sean Connery yeah he he, he was you know right now uh, what's his name uh, Craig is a is a really great Bond he's like you know right up there with Sean Connery but I came up with roger moore is bond and mm, so yeah like like you know those were we were into it then but then you realize like oh, man he was terrible like he was just like a, like a pretty boy like the, the thing about bond is 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 he's he's a fighter at the same time that's why like pierce brosnan i thought was a terrible bond i thought it was like pierce brosnan was the first bond where i was like man i could kick his ass you know like <laughs> Like I just didn't believe, uh, I didn't believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, um, so yeah, you, you just start to realize like where your place is, like 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 where you came up. It, 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 that's why I don't blame people who were young at the time who loved the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. Like it's not I their am. fault. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a hardcore Star Wars fan. I'm just gonna have to stop you right there. Because I have common sense, and I'd like to believe that if I was eight years old watching the prequels right now, I would I would know that something is wrong. Oh, hold on, hold, uh, one. hold on, and I got I got I got to stop you because you know you like to get on your hill, sir. I, I, I know. Because because. <laughs> He, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just hit a nerve. No, well, I, no, well, listen, listen, because we could talk about we could talk about Star Wars. <laughs> I can I, listen. People know me as the biggest, the world's foremost prequel denier. They don't exist to me. Yeah, but I also either, understand. I understand that if you're a little kid and they came out right then. I don't mean little kids now. I think eight year olds now know that it's a mess. But if you're a little kid and they came out right then, like that's those are the movies that you'd love because like a kid now, it's hard to convince my kids to look at the original Star Wars 
because like it reminds me of what of, of what like to them it's probably what the original King Kong looked like to us like you know these really weird special effects and everything and you you appreciate that stuff when you get older and you realize like when the stuff was made and all and you know the brown baking breaking stuff but um but like you have to give it time for them to realize in context oh yeah these yeah. prequels are are really terrible movies you know and i i say this over and over again when george lucas passes they're going to remake those films they're going to remake them but they but like when he can't like they don't want to disrespect what he did yeah but that, that's the real I, emperor right there <laughs> yeah i have a i have a, a whole rant on how to make those prequels the right way and um you know, Hulu is owned by Disney, and I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm gonna at some point be able to <laughs> to, to visit the Disney campus and uh, walk by the the Star Wars room and then peek in and go, "Hey, um, can I come in for a moment?" And then just spell it out and tell them what they need to be doing. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> That's my, uh, you got the you my got the you you got the foot in the door. So we we gotta we gotta put this on you. You gotta yes, you gotta right. be the you, one to do it because I drafted. So I believe you. I listen. I believe in you. So me too. Do it. <laughs> do it. We see well, those writers' speak, credits. Come on. <laughs> speaking, I mean, That's speaking of woke, like speaking of woke. Um, what about the um the dude that was in the prequels? Uh, I mean, not the prequels. These uh, latest movies. Uh, oh, who John Boyega. Yeah, the way he is speaking out, I man. Love, I love him. Like, I love. Yeah, him. he is going. He is going off. It's like pretty amazing. Um, some of the stuff that he's talking about, but uh, yeah, he, it's, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, he had smoke for everybody. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, yeah. In the fire. I like the fact that when he brought it up, he didn't just bring it up for himself. He was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He's like, um, "My character over here, um, Isaac." Oscar, he's having issues, and I can't remember the um, young Asian woman's name who plays. Yeah, yeah, Rose. but yeah. she's having issues. And when she first brought it up, people destroyed her in the comments. And he came out, he's like, "You ain't going to talk to her like that." Like she has a critical role in the movie, but it's just my whole. And I'm glad that he's speaking now because he's in a. Ver- it's how can I word this? There, this is the time where people are actually listening. This isn't like back ten years ago where we listened and then we would say, "Shut up, you're getting your money." It's like, no, no, no. Speak your ish. We got you. We want to support you as you go along. Which yeah, brings a yeah. full circle back to him and back to woke. That's what he's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you stay yeah. on the yeah. path that, you know, you want to stay on. And people, you know what I mean? It's like field of dreams to me. You know, you build it, they will come. He built it and they've come. You know. You know? And and I, yeah. lo- I love that. Um, I love when you were doing the interview uh, yesterday, the panel uh, with Ulysses Campbell. And you know he was like, "Were you ready for the like the the influx of people that was going to come along?" And I made the comment because you know just your comics, you know people would people would send you hate mail. So I was just like, "Well, hey, if the inbox is already popping because Keith is going to say something that's going to get under somebody's skin, you know the more you know the more the merrier. If woke gets people thinking." You know, thinking critically, if it if it's something they like, wait a minute, how this is being portrayed, they got an issue. It's like good because that that lets that lets the rest of us know 
is getting to you. Yeah, the I, message is being heard. Yeah, yeah. Just to follow up on what you're saying too, I is I wanted to see what his strategy was, Keith, in, in in terms of the backlash. So when the negativity comes, is that what you set your mind on? That I'm just kind of doing my thing, and as long as I'm getting my message out, then then that's all good. Is that pretty much the mindset, or how do you deal with it when all the negativity comes comes your way? Well, I mean, I've had practice with it for many, many years um, on a smaller scale when you're dealing, you know, when you're doing political stuff or whatever. You know, I've had people, you know, send me hate mail and do all this different stuff. And it's just like, in some ways, it's like, I'd either rather love to have people either love the show or hate the show. And I just don't want them to be just indifferent. Like, it's like, blah. Like, yeah, I'm not even... Yeah. yeah, I'm not even going to pay attention to it. So, I know that, you know, with love, it's going to come plenty of hate. And um, so, I think I'm more concerned about sort of, you know, how my family feels, have to deal with it, you know? Um, I've been I've been used to it. And I'm, you know, in the comics, which are autobiographical, you know, people always think, oh, that's you in the comic too. Like, that's why I'm used to this other entity that's supposed to be me. I, I have a, a real understanding that it's a different character, you know, and it's just inspired or whatever. So um, I'm just, yeah, like I can't, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how crazy it's going to get or whatever, but like, I'm just going to keep on doing what I do and know that like, um, it, it, my work is gonna it's gonna piss off some people and um, you know I'll, it, I'm, it just comes I'm, with the territory yeah 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 now if it's gonna piss off somebody so bad that they're gonna like I, you know <laughs> it's I know this country is in a place now where people are all acting all crazy and violent and everything but um, I mean at this point like I, I can't see there are more things that stay going on than a TV show you know yeah. um, so uh, I just say listen if you want all this stuff that has come out is honestly this is like um, the country is sick and so the stuff that's coming up is vomit it's pus it's like it's like the oozing nastiness that needs to come out for the country to get better you know um, we need to face what what is going on in this country right now and um, and hopefully we will and we will we will be we will move forward and be a better country because of it uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it's going to continue to get worse until it gets better I believe there is a true surge with all with all the the deception and not even on a political level but on a social level with all the deception that's out there there is a genuine search for authenticity in work and truth and it's like another interview we did you know when you know the same thing applies to you when i believe people hear something that to them is true not necessarily that it happened in real life but that there is a genuine there there's an authenticity to their work of wanting to figure things out wanting to make things right wanting to you know what I mean? Get through these problems and search for answers 
within the character and people see that that is what i think helps you know helps heal us as people is the more work like the work that you're putting out and i think that that's exactly you know leading back to do just doing it and being able to push aside any negativity and haters because what you know you're doing you know you're doing from an authentic place of truth and expression and i think that's what reverberates throughout america and the world to me is that, that that is an amazing spot to end this interview on <laughs> yeah it's I mean, it's it, yeah because uh, yeah we could um, you guys are amazing to talk to, but I know I'm <laughs> I'm supposed to be headed outside with my family to enjoy this day, so I got to get out. But this is amazing. Like I want to come back, uh, you guys. I want to come back and talk with you again. Oh, uh, we because- oh, we, oh, we, love we that, definitely man. we love it, and we listen, and we're going. The minute you answer the phone, I'm had to record already recording. <laughs> So we we learn. So because we're 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 learning we're learning growing. So from now on, you already know. Like I got the record on. Like if you're like, all right, I'm chasing chickens again. Good, good. Can, this time, can we talk to the chickens too? <laughs> hey, hey, look, he got lucky because I was about to get in on him about. I heard word on the street is you like Daffy Duck more than Bugs Bunny, and I ain't having that. Hold up, hold up, oh. Daffy. Duck. See, we got to see. We see? want to be tasting this time. See, I, okay. I, I'm saying, I'm saying. Yeah, that's I'm saying, another. That's another podcast. But I will say this: <laughs> this is this is why Daffy Duck is better than Bugs Bunny. Mm. Daffy Duck is adept at playing the hero and the foil better than any other Warner Brothers character. Like, he, 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 you know, I think he makes Bugs Bunny, like, he's a great partner for Bugs Bunny, but he also has a great, like, you know, uh, Robin Hood Daffy, like, all these different ones, where it, he's just really, mm. he's, versatile, he's versatile. And and he's, he's a black duck, man. He's like... <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got stuff going up against him. Bugs Bunny, I will say, I gave a lot of credit to Bugs Bunny, um, but early Bugs Bunny was a little irritating. I think I, I always teach my kid, like, don't be the early Bugs Bunny, be the later uh, cross-dressing Bugs Bunny. <laughs> see, <laughs> I, love I, think the, that's see, I always funny. loved the, uh, um, the rabbit season, duck season. Now you know you know what you know. I will give you one quick point, and then I, and, and then I'm gonna let it go. Was that the funniest part was Daffy Duck when he was talking with Elmer Fudd, and they were like, "Would you like to shoot him now or shoot them later? Shoot him now! Shoot yeah. him now! You get yeah. us out of this. He doesn't have to shoot you now." And then he goes, "Ah, pronoun trouble. <laughs> oh, all right, all pronoun right. trouble. <laughs> and how about how about the the one where they find uh they find the the genie and the lamp and all the riches and stuff and, oh yeah exactly his it's eyes like, get all big and he's like I'm rich I'm rich and 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 then the one the one that the uh, people say is, is the best Looney Tunes ever is the I, I don't know if it's Duck Muck where he's just on the drawing thing and someone oh, is changing oh, okay. changing him oh, all the time all right. and it's you know Bugs Bunny yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna back right. off. I'm gonna back off. I'll back <laughs> off. I was gonna, and then listen, we got a guest. I told you, you gotta mind that hill, man. We don't want to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> but keep now, 
There's, there's only a couple of things you you, you can you, you can't come at me with, and that's one of them. So <laughs> I will I will I will defend Daffy Duck uh, till the day I, I die. love it. I, I love it. <laughs> but uh, you guys, thank you for allowing me to come on here and and rant and scream. And uh, you guys so are really fun. fun. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really cool. But uh, yeah, I, I've had my kid come to my come to the window and look at me like <laughs> with this sad look on his face. So oh. I, I, I gotta make moves. Like I gotta make moves. No, understood. Right. Thank you, thank you so much for rocking with us. We definitely gonna have you back. And we're going to get that conversation going. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to be the whole podcast episode too. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to defend Daffy Duck. I'm on, I'm Team Daffy, so we we got this. Well, I, I just I just I just made the argument. He backed off. Like I'm not, you know, we can, we can talk about it in a very nice way. But I have well, a lot of, you know, here's here's it, 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 and this is another take. Like I think Porky Pig, like is uh, is the best side character. Like he shouldn't. He shouldn't lead his own thing. He is like the Dan Aykroyd of, of Warner Brothers characters, which um, Dan Aykroyd could never carry his own film, but he was, you know, he made Bill Murray better. better. He made Eddie Murphy better. John but when he tried yeah. to make, yeah, when he tried to make a film by himself, like it was always terrible. But yeah. he is the he is the porky pig of, <laughs> of SNL actors. And Porky Pig is the Dan Aykroyd of Warner Brothers characters. Man, so you on that? This man, um, <laughs> this man, this man brought the arsenal to me. I, okay, okay. You know what? You know, you know, you know what? You know what? See, I'm gonna have to back off and regroup for a later episode on that one. We we gonna be back on this. We gonna be back on this. That's all right. That's all, right. Uh, all, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> Thank you so, so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, and um, yeah, let let me know when it's up, so um, so I can hide this. Will and, uh, do, will right. do. We we're going to drop it this Friday. I, I will definitely, right. po- I will keep you posted. All Excellent. right, Excellent. I'll All talk right. to you guys soon. Be good, brother. Peace. Peace. Bye. Yeah. Bye.